Hello everyone, welcome to the SBK Betting Podcast, a special edition as we creep ever closer to the Cheltenham Festival. We're around about three weeks away now and we've got a special podcast for plenty of the divisions at this stage, but we wanted to get as close as possible to have a real look at the novice hurdlers and the picture as it stands now. We thought... We might be more clear about the state of this division for the three feature races at this stage. But in fact, I think it's fair to say that at least the Dublin Racing Festival from a couple of weeks ago has created possibly more questions than answers. And the overall state of affairs is rather open, which I believe makes this a lot more interesting in terms of a conversation, debate, flowing from each end of the sphere will the irish reign supreme will it be that will it be an opportunity for the best of the english to come out and essentially we definitely have very good betting heats which is why we are here to find the best betting proposition for the supreme the ballymore and the albert bartlett novice hurdles we'll start as customary with the first race of the of the Tuesday, the first the first race to open the festival, the Supreme Novice Hurdle. As always, I've got Tom Collins, Ross Miller joining me um, to give their views on where they are now at this stage. Uh, looking ahead, we've obviously been having this in our mind, just in the back of it. Obviously, we're always focused on the racing at hand, but always thinking about these horses from early on in the season to where they've got to at this point. Fasol Vega. Three to one favourite at this point. Definitely have been shorter than that earlier on in the season. His reputation just slightly tarnished after what was what only you can call complete bomb out at uh, the Dublin Racing Festival earlier in the month. Marie Nationale, four to one. Ilite Tomp, six to one. Tamaris, 12s. High definition, 12 to one. Diverge is 14 to one. Imperat Pass, 18s. Hunter's Yarn, 22. Chasing Fire, 25 to one. And bigger prices, the rest, including uh, the likes of Lucia, who is 33 to one. Whether she will take up her position here or whether she'll go to the Mayor's Novices Hurdle, that is yet to be decided. So there's definitely still some decisions to be made. But from what we know, Fasar Vega is definitely going to take up his position here as always has been mooted by uh, Willie Mullins his trainer and of course this is a race that has been either dominated by the likes of Willie Mullins or Nicky Henderson now I'll go come to Tom first because Tom you've been long a supporter of Fasal Vega champion bump up winner looked like a very, very, very good horse. At the beginning of this year, he had the whole world at his feet and he was ticking off every challenge with, as the name suggests, in quite facile fashion. Where do you stand after putting him up at the beginning of the season in this race, after that race last time? Can he come back for that? I think he can. Um, I know plenty of punters will look to take him on and potentially they're, they're right in doing so because, you know, when a horse loses their air of invincibility, as I've touched on in previous podcasts, then suddenly you don't want to be with that horse. You think, wow, the ceiling isn't as high as we thought. Maybe the floor is a lot lower than we thought and he could bomb out again. That could happen here and he's still favourite. So I can understand why some people would want to take him on. However, 
this horse has much the best form in the race. I don't think there's any doubt about that. He's got course form. He can clearly handle multiple types of ground. He has early speed. And I know that we're talking about a hurdle race here, so it's not a flat race. Early speed, though, is important because the hustle and bustle of a Cheltenham Festival contest, you don't want to be in the middle of the pack, I'll tell you that, because you will have to be miles the best to win to overcome trouble in running and bumps left, right, and center, etc. So he's going to be on the front end. There's a lot going his way. Last time out, he just didn't run his race. He produced an RPR 16 pounds below his previous best. He returned lame. I actually thought he bled that day. And if he did bleed, then I was, was going to come on this podcast and be like, well, I'm going to have to take him on now because it's kind of a rule of mine where I don't want to back horses that bled last time out because that is a huge imponderable. That is highly likely to happen again in the future. Um, however, he returned lame. So it was a different issue. They went hard early on. That wouldn't have helped him either. His jumping was a bit sticky as well. I just think a lot went against him that day. It clearly wasn't the Fasal Vega that we've seen in every other one of his starts. Put a line through that, and he's clearly the horse to beat. He was four to six for this Supreme Novice Hurdle before that race at the Dublin Racing Festival. I don't think the jump out to three to one is worthy. I think he should be around nine to four for this race. And therefore, I still think there's value in his price. I know people... Uh, among the fact that he performed badly last time out, people are going to say his jumping is not good enough to win a Supreme. But I think his jumping is actually better than Marine National, who is arguably the biggest danger in the market. And there just, in my opinion, isn't that much depth in the Supreme this year, uh, unlike in recent seasons. So I'm going to stick by my guns. I'm nothing but loyal. Fasal Vega for me in the Supreme. On that point, obviously, he ha didn't have the best trip into the race last time. You know, they said that they went, Willie Mullins himself said everything went wrong. And you, you get the impression that there was a definitely a slight miscommunication with maybe the jockey on how he should have been ridden. There was an air of frustration with a plenty of Willie Mullins' horses coming out of that. And what he said about Lossy Mouth anyway was that he worried about the prep having a bit of an impact on that horse. Now, Lossy Mouth had a completely different um, bump around and all, all those all those various factors, but Vassal Vega just disappointed. Do you think, do you worry that that experience dents his confidence or do you see it as, as, as nothing but, you know, a learning exercise and that the horse, as Willie Mullen says, is not a machine and it's very much based on, there has to be pace in the race. He has to be, handier he can't be right up there trying to make make believe himself firstly on the comments of Willie Mullins towards Paul Townend I think they're a bit unjust uh, in the regard to Fasal Vega now Willie Mullins obviously knows a lot more than me about how a horse wants to run especially one of his own horses but at the same time I don't think the fact that they went reasonably hard early led to Fasal Vega's bitter disappointment now obviously he's returned lame that was a much better excuse High definition did push him through the early stages, but we've seen Fasal Vega in the, far, in the past go really fast early on and still maintain and sustain that gallop. And I'm sure that at the halfway point in that race, when high definition uh, departed, that if you asked the, a number of punters, in-running punters, even people who just like horse racing, who was going to win, people would have still said Fasal Vega, despite the fact he went hard early. So I don't think that was a, a massive excuse for his below-par effort. You know, horses do disappoint with they're not machines, as Willie just touched on and you've said. And in fact, Ross a couple of weeks ago or last week, actually, um, gave the point about Shishkin coming back from a couple of really below par performances. And look what he did last week. He was brilliant, albeit in a race that completely fell apart. So I think you can forgive a performance like that, especially when there is a viable excuse in the fact that he was sore, he was lame. He just clearly didn't run his race. I think three to one is far too drastic. If he was nine to four, then maybe look elsewhere. But 
no, I want I want some of that three to one, Jess. Okay, I just I'm nervous. Willie Mullins has been very open this year, and he said, you know, he's not an aeroplane. But he has also said in his comments from some of the stable tours, if the horse recovers from his race, it will, you know, we're still going to the Supreme where he had a very, very hard race and it'll take a fair bit of recovering from. We'll need all the time we have. Now, Willie Mullins is an expert at, 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 you know, producing these horses for the festival. So there's no doubt about that. But it just wasn't ideal preparation for a horse that is the current favourite for this race. But you're right, it is. It's not the deepest, and Willie Mullins has got plenty uh, lining up um, in you know in a in a in a state where you know, he he could and as as it happened at, at the Dublin Racing Festival get beaten by one of his own. Ross, I think TC touched on it quite rightly about how you can you should forgive a horse uh, for one bad run, as you 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 made the, so eloquently the point about Shishkin that we are very quick to dismiss a horse who's been basically untouchable then they go and put in a bad performance and we suddenly ridicule them as you know they're not as good as they as they were is that is that what we should be doing here or do you think it's or do you think it's a a, a different scenario for a case of Fasar Vega I think we had a greater body of work to judge Shishkin on than than, than Fasar Vega certainly over hurdles and you have to say that you know the the run that really got everyone excited was his champion bumper win at Cheltenham last year. And, and unusually, the champion bumper form hasn't worked out at all well. Um, but no, I, I think I, I don't prescribe to this, throw him in the bin, even though nowhere near what he was. I think what's concerning is Willie Mullins sort of said, you know, Paul rode him like an airplane, needs to ride him like a horse. But actually, all the way through the beginning of the season, he's been pretty vocal, unusually, in saying he's as good as we've had. When you consider the horses that he's had, he has had a few horses that are virtually aeroplanes. So it, it concerns me that they're going to try and get him to settle more. I think that could see him become quite keen. I think it'll see his jumping compromised. I certainly wouldn't talk anyone out of backing him at three to one. But I just think the head of the market is generally a bit of a mess. Fasar Vega, Ilete Tomp, you know, who... Um, was behind Fasal Vega previously. Marine Nationale, who won the Royal Bond, I think is going to be better on better ground, but he won the Royal Bond, finishing just ahead in front of Irish Point, who was very well beaten behind Ilete Tom. So given that I can't make much of a, of a sort of picture of, out of that, I've looked a bit further down the market and I've got two. I mean, the first is Lucia. And I think, you know, it is very unlikely she runs here. So Let's get that clear straight away. But she's 33 to 1. Um, I'm very happy to lose a few pounds on the chance that, you know, Nico sweet talks uh, Nikki into, into running here. I think she's been really impressive. Um, and I think she would be near enough favourite on the day if she runs here. Um, 142 rated already. Get £7. Her jumping needs to improve, but I think it will. She's got bags of speed. It won't matter if the ground is soft or a bit quicker. Um, you know, her bumper run at Sandown was very impressive. And I thought extra last time she absolutely demolished a field that wasn't top class, but they weren't, you know, they weren't bad horses all the same. So I think she's really interesting, but I think she is an unlikely runner. Uh, and then the other one that the more I look, the, the, the sweeter I am actually is uh, Noel Feely um, racing. Now they've got Tamuras uh, with Paul Nichols. They've also got Hansard. Um, I've really liked him from, from the start. He was far too keen at, at uh, Huntingdon. 
um, and still got the job done. And then went to Plumpton and conceded a £7 penalty to Mr. Chewy, who's a decent horse in Nigel Twiston's Davis. Um, didn't particularly enjoy the track, I didn't think. It was all happening a bit sharp for him, but powered up the hill at Plumpton and put two lengths away from Mr. Chewy and was pulling clear all the way. I think it's a sort of race where, and a sort of horse where a more powerful gallop, uh, a bigger field will suit him. Uh, he runs in the dovecot this weekend. Um, I, I think he'll go close in the dovecot. I think he'll win that. And he'll be a lot less than his odds are now. I mean, I think he'd be north of 33 to 1 comfortably at the moment. I think he's a, a really exciting horse. Um, and he, unlike Tamuras, who does hold a couple of entries at Cheltenham, he only holds an entry in the Supreme. So um, I, I'd be tempted to have a few pounds on him at the moment at, at big prices. Yeah, he'd be bigger than 50 to 1 anyway at, at this stage for Hansard. I think that, that will slim down should he win um, at Kempton. And obviously, you might be listening to this post. Um, the Kempton race as well. So have a check on Hansard. Uh, Lucia, as you say, she is. She would really spice things up, wouldn't she? And you get the impression that Nikki would would like would rather go the safer route. Nico is quite happy to play ball. Um, it's not a race which has had a you know plethora of mares before, but they've not exactly been. Uh, they've been they've they've been successful when they've given it a go. Out of interest, pop quiz for you. Can you name a winner? Like a butterfly. Was French feet, ballerina a mare? There we go. We've got one. Uh, well done, one see. from the non-jumps man, Ross Miller. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Um, no, you got Willie Mullins' first, first supreme, first, first Cheltenham winner. I think it was. Oh, you're going back before me now. I'm a young pup, Jess. I just look old. We got. And we got Taurus Attraction in 95 and Like a Butterfly won it in 2002. So it can be done and it will, and I'm sure it will be done again. And I think that, as you say, Lucia is, is got a, in what is an open division and where Nicky Henderson doesn't have a, doesn't have a runner. Um, where, where he saw the, the wonderful Constitution Hill win this last year. Uh, and I just think that is the state of, bar the next race, which we're going to talk about. There isn't one horse that comes into this race with a flawless record. Um, and we're kind of used to the Supreme having a horse that's coming off the back of several um, very, very impressive victories. Um, for me, my selection is going to be um, a horse that I think would be a lot shorter at the age old, age old point if he was with another yard. Um, and he does have a flawless record. And that is Marine Nationale for Barry Connell, who's just proving himself as a trainer um, previously we've seen these colours plenty as an owner with Willie Mullins but he's now with his own licence with Michael O'Sullivan riding like a very accomplished young man um, and this horse's form speaks for itself, um, the win at Fairy House back in December has worked out very well, um, the Royal Bond the Grade 1 and he excites me I like the fact that they've given him a good break um, as I said, the form is a big tick there. I think he, um, as TC touched on, maybe his jumping does need to be does need to improve. But he looks like a very a very capable horse in this field, and just as, and he's got less questions to answer than Fasar Vega does after that last run, um, and after quite a tough race, and he's four to one. Um, and then the other one for me is Diverge, an, an unknown quantity by Frankel. Doesn't really make sense, the breeding, but Willie Mullins has turned this horse into clearly quite a capable jumper. And he excites Willie Mullins considering what he did last time. He's got the, he doesn't have a huge amount of jumping experience, which 
is there maybe the slight concern in a race like this? Um, hence why he's 14 to 1, but he's got a lot of flat experience from his time in France. So he knows how to race. And he just could be a bit of a outsider here um, in terms of a Willie Mullins perspective at 14 to 1. So happy to give Diverge a bit of a go. And that, that win last time at Punchtown was very, very impressive. Um, the form isn't huge, but it was he couldn't have done it any better, really. So that's Diverge in the Supreme Novices hurdle. You're either with Vassar Vega or you're against it. You're with TC or you're with something a little bit more out there. Um, and that might be the case for the next race. And the Ballymore Novices Hurdle. Um, if you look at, if you were, if you literally were any other, uh, you know, an alien coming down from space, and you look to this race, you think, Hermes Zalen, three to one. This horse has done nothing wrong. That shallow hurdle form is exemplary. When you want, when you're looking for form, there it is. Three to one. I, I don't understand why we think it's so mad that this horse can't win this race. Now, there are plenty in here that potentially will improve again, but he's got the course form, at course and distance form. He is trained by someone that knows how to win this race, yet his record over the last couple of years hasn't been great. But Ross, ask you first, why is James Allen still underestimated? I think it's brave man's game scenario. I think there's so many parallels between what Hermes Allen did and brave man's game did. And it ultimately didn't work out for brave man's game. And I think uh, we can be guilty of not separating out and understanding horses are, are individuals. Um, I, I think as the, as the season has progressed, his chances have become more apparent. He's a really smart jumper. My question is just whether he's going to get hassled around a little bit in a, in what's going to be a bigger field. He's been able to race in his own little pocket, you know, off the front when winning at Cheltenham and he found a, a really, he got a really nice ride from uh, Harry Cobden when winning at uh, the Challo. I just wonder whether he's going to be able to go in that nice rhythm that's clearly served him, served him so well. Um, and I would be, I, the Challo form has worked out really well. A lot of horses in the shallow underperform because of the ground. I mean, Thomas Moore, for example, won at won at uh, uh, Ascot last weekend, um, but he just didn't run his race in shallow on 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 soft ground. By Dylan Thomas, got back on better ground at Ascot and completely turned his form around. So I'm I'm actually a little bit nervous of, of taking the shallow form literally because I think a lot of horses there just did not not run to the mark. But yeah, I I absolutely think Hermes Allen's got a Got a great chance. I'm just a really big fan, though, of uh, Impar Apas. Um, I think he's a really slick jumper. Might just have a bit more toe than Hermes Allen. I think he's a quicker horse. Um, his nace form didn't work out all that well. The horse who finished second uh, came out and was well beaten back at nace next time. Um, but at Punchestown, gave seven pound and six lengths uh, to a one-three-one rated horse. Um, I just think this is going to be the race they've got. It's really tricky at the moment to figure out who's going where, but I think I'd be pretty confident that they're going to go here with, with this horse in particular. Um, and I just think he might have a bit more speed uh, at the back end of, of the race. And it does tend to be a quick horse that wins the, wins the Ballymore, you know, plenty win the Ballymore and drop back to champion hurdles sort of distances. So um, I really like him. And then another one, just at a bigger price, and she just really impressed me on Tuesday, actually, at Market Raisin, is the Dan Scout and Train Katira. Um, she's 
again, you're going to have to step up, but she'd get the £7 mayor's allowance. She gave £10 and an easy 20 length beating to a, a mayor, Fergal O'Brien's, that I think is probably a 110 mayor who seemed to run her race. Um, again, uh, Mark Raisin Katira was keen, um, had to cut out her own running. I think in a, in a better race and a bigger field, she could be better still. Um, I, I don't know what their plans are. Um, I think she has has a handicap mark now that she could run in handicaps, but um, mm -hmm. a decent big price. I thought she's an impressive mare with a big engine. Okay, another mare that will uh, have to take it on the boys in what? Again, if you take out the, well, I suppose the top two in the market have got plenty going for them, but there's no, they're not, they're no, they're no given. Um, well, I mean, I'm still a bit bemused why Hermes Allen isn't shorter, but just a quick point on on Ross on Impero Pass. Missed the Dublin Racing Festival. I tried to work it out. I know he had plenty. Well, he monitored plenty of horses to run at the Dublin Racing Festival, and you know it might just didn't didn't seem necessary. But then I also feel with Willie Mullins, it's a bit like Cheltenham. Everything runs at the Dublin Racing Festival and you sort it all out like we saw in, saw in the uh, Irish Arkle and then you go from that. Why Why did he miss it? Was there, did you, was there anything that came out of that? Does that concern you at all? Uh, I, I think with Willie Mullins, you just can't let anything concern you. You know, he, he's a law <laughs> to himself. He, he does things very differently to the majority. Um, I just wonder whether, you know, Having had two runs fairly close together, whether he, you know, he seems to be taking his time a bit more with these novices. I think in the last three or four years than he had perhaps previously. Um, and he's spoken about not getting being able to get them out as early this year because we had the you know very late sort of summer. Um, so no, I, I think you just have to trust that um, he knows what he's doing and 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 he'll he'll get him there in in a one form. Yeah, you know, you, you, you have to, um, and, and he always does. He definitely certainly sends everything to Cheltenham and Parrot Pass uh, four to one um, will be in the Simon Neer and Isaac Sway double green who look, have a embarrassment of riches really for this festival this year. And this is one of their, their top chances as well. Um, okay, so Ross's selections there. TC, just going to go back to this point about Hermes Alain because I know you're a big Brave Man's Gap. Brave Man's Game fan. Um, Profile-wise, Brave Man's Game actually came into Cheltenham with a lot more race course experience. Um, you know, it was a bumper horse, Hermes Alain, um, was seen a, in a point-to-point. -point. Maybe, you know, I, you know, I'm i not massively in his camp, but I just still just from a betting perspective and putting a, a odds compiler hat on, feel like, you know, he... He won his point-to-point -point over three miles. He seems like a more of a ready-made horse than Brave Man's Game was. And, you know, he's turned out to be a better horse as a novice and now in a, in a, as a novice chaser. Why, you know, Hermes Allen hasn't, you know, couldn't be better than him at his age, I can't really work that out. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I do fear Hermes Alain. I'm a big fan of him as well after watching him at Cheltenham's November meeting and then tipping him up on the, on the pod for the cello. But the reason why I'm against him here, and you know, I'll probably have a save on him because I'm that kind of person, but um, <laughs> the reason why I'm against him for my lead selection is because much like Ross said there, he's dictated matters at his own speed in his past three races for Paul Nichols. And in the Cheltenham Festival Novice Hurdle, they're going to go hard up front. There's going to be someone, at least one other, that will want to take him on from an early stage. And that could just see him out in the closing stages. Now, I still expect him to run very well. He's 
on my book around nine to four. So if you're getting three to one, I think there's still value there. Even 11 to four, five to two, there's still a slither of value. So that's why I'll probably have a saver on him if he's around that price. However, I, on my book, I also have good land around three to one. He's available at nine to two. So I'm going to go the way of good land just at this stage for a value perspective. Um, this horse virtually ticks every single trend that you need to win a Ballymore novice hurdle. He began his career in Ireland, tick one. He's won over two mile, four furlongs or further, another tick. He's won a graded race, another tick, et cetera, et cetera. I could keep going on. There's only one trend that he doesn't actually tick, which I'll come to in a second. His last two wins have been seriously impressive as well. He beat a subsequent grade three uh, performer on his penultimate outing, a horse that is currently favorite for the Albert Bartlett that I'm sure we'll cover in a second. Um, and then last time out, he proved his stamina and he proved his class when he managed to win a grade one over two mile six. He is dropping slightly in trip, but that's no problem at all, despite the fact he's going to develop into a lovely three miler. Now, the one trend that he doesn't tick is the fact that he's a seven-year-old and seven-year-olds don't generally win the Ballymore. It tends to be six-year-olds. However, this horse is really unexposed. He had to miss a year due to an injury. So I don't see that as a major uh, point here. Um, he possesses plenty of speed despite having stamina. So there's another tick there for uh, good land. And I think he will race prominently, probably just a length or, or two behind Hermes Allen. So given he has extra stamina and given Hermes Allen could be taken on up front early, I think good land is going to be in the better position in the race. And I think there is more value there, one and a half points on my book nine to two currently three to one in my book rather than three to one compared to nine to four in Hermes LN obviously my book is not legit and you know other people have different opinions on what prices horses should be but with that being said Goodland has to be my play what do you think about his, his jumping because he's definitely he had that sort of quite novicey unseat back in December but it, they've yeah. definitely improved his jumping but you know that that grade one last time do you think it really sort of made a man of him yeah, I really do. That was his first proper test. And I thought he traveled through that race lovely. I think they missed the final hurdle that day. So, you know, we haven't really seen him where he's in the red and he has to perform uh, over a hurdle. He has to nail the last flight and get over from A to B without making a mistake. You mentioned there the unseated early in his uh, career, three runs back. He actually jumped that hurdle really nicely. He was just a bit skew if in the air uh, and the rider just went out the side door. So I don't think the jumping despite the fact he's got a U next to his name, actually was the issue there. It was more just a lack of balance given how he jumped, how he was skewiff in the air. But he negotiated from one side to the other perfectly fine. Yeah. I think he's an okay jumper. No, he's not as good as Hermes Allen, who is phenomenal uh, across uh, his hurdles. But at the same time, I don't see it as a massive negative for Goodland. Just like my selection in the Supreme, uh, again, trained by Barry Connell, in case could be said that he would be shorter for this race if he was. WP Mullins or or even or even Nicky Henderson. Uh, sorry, even Paul Nichols, Nick, Nicky Henderson again without a horse in this race. But um, Goodland and Marie National, it's incredible really that this trainer with such a small amount of horses has got two uh, major chances for these grade ones. And uh, Goodland, as you say, five we've we've got him here at five to one um things will change and it, it it possibly will be it'll be interesting to see what where the money goes over the next couple of weeks um as we head closer to it Hermes Alain as it as it is I, I think is a good price for what he has done and what he has showed and I think we have we've covered that we've covered those bases yes things might not work it's it's the risk you're going to take how the race will pan out but it will be the same for all of them um but Good land. There's a very good case there from uh, from TC. I will go for Gaelic Warrior. Now, this horse, I'm still uncertain where he will go. I think they are 
slightly more um, tempted by the Ballymore. Uh, he was last seen winning at Leperstown at the Dublin Racing Festival over over two miles. Feel like he it was he wasn't stopping at the line no um, in no in no circumstances. That was just a handicap, but he won that won that race off top weight, showing himself to be a seriously useful horse with all that weight. And what a point that TC made about um, you know racing experience and being you know be slightly battle hardened. I think Gaelic Warrior. Unlike a lot of these horses, like we saw um, his first run for Willie Mullins was in the Boodles last year where he was just beaten second. And he's run in all types of races. They've given him, they've really mixed it up. They really challenged him. And I think he, even though he's only got, he's only five years of age, he possesses a lot more racing maturity than some of the, some of the others. And I think uh, that experience will stand him into good effect. And I like him here. At uh, six to one, and uh, again, if he had gone down, maybe if he had gone down a slightly different route into this race, he might have been shorter. But he's uh, he's clearly a very talented horse, and um, I like how he did it last time. And he is currently six to one chance as well. Um, it's uh, it's a race again. I think the Ballymore, like the like the Supreme Novices, where there's plenty, there's a good bit of value as well around. I'm just going to throw out in the pocket who's around about 16 to one for Henry de Bromhead, who's suddenly just a little bit quietly getting back into form. He's just had a struggle earlier on in the year. Definitely did at the Dublin racing festival. And this is one of the horses that actually ran really well for him at the Dublin racing festival. He was second to Il Um and just caught my eye just a little bit. I thought he just was running on really nicely over two miles to suggest that this trip will really suit him. Um, he's another horse by Blue Brazil, um, who is the sire of um, TC's um, uh, selection, Goodland. And I think that at around 16 to 1, he could show himself well. And just I'm just intrigued to see him stepping up in distance. So that's the Ballymore Novices Hurdle, where uh, I think there's definitely, as we've said, a bit of value around. But I think if you can still get 3 to 1 for James Elan, as TC has said, that I, I don't think that's... Uh, Worth throwing away. Um, right, on to the Albert Bartlett Novice Hurdle we go, where there's even better prices. Seven to one the field for the Albert Bartlett Novice Hurdle. As always, this is more of a race where you can have a little more fun sort of working it out because as we've seen in and years go by, this can throw up a bit of a, a shock result. Um, horses that I think over the last few years we've seen, you know, I remember going back to, how many years ago it was now to the likes of Manella Indo was a double figure price for this for this race. Um, last year, the nice guy won it. And I think he was, yeah, 18 to 1. Vanillia, the year before, was 14 to 1. Manella Indo, yeah, 50 to 1. So, and TC is the stat man, but it looks to me, we've got to go back to 2013 to see a last winning favourite. So we love this. Um, Embassy Garden seven to one, three card brag nine to one, along with Monty Star and Hidden Valley Lake eleven to one, Corbett's Cross, Favorite de Champadou twelve to one, along with Absolute Notions and Sandal Clagan eighteen to one, bigger the rest. Um, TC, you touched on a horse that links quite nicely with yours, who runs in the Albert Bartlett, one of your selections from the Supreme. Yes, and currently heads the market. You know, this race is interesting for a number of reasons. We'll, we'll get into the horse in just two seconds. But um, not only has there been big price winners in recent years, those horses have then become good horses and open company as well. But they've all been Irish. 
which I think is very crucial to this race. Um, I was actually fortunate enough to, to back the winner last year in the nice guy. And Willie Mullins' horses just tend to go underrated in this race. And it doesn't really... Um, it doesn't really make sense to me. Now, in the field, he's got Embassy Gardens, who's the market leader around 11 to 2. And this horse ties in nicely, as does Corbett's Cross. But Emmett Mullins, who's second favourite. Both of these, obviously, Irish-trained horses. I think they're vulnerable, I have to say. I think Willie Mullins has got a couple in the field that are bigger prices that have actually got a better chance than Embassy Gardens, for example. And I know Embassy Gardens absolutely bolted up last time, but it really was an egg and spoon race. Uh, he had to beat nothing. And Corbett's Cross will be making his first start for Emmett Mullins, um, potentially at the Cheltenham Festival, which will just see a load of cash go his way. But on the form, I don't think he's too special, I have to say. And it's a horse who he beat two starts back, Corbett's Cross, called Seabank Bistro, who's my number one selection for the race. I'm actually more confident about picking the winner for the Albert Bartlett, despite the fact I'm about to put up two double-figure prices, than the Ballymore or the Supreme, where I'm with shorter price performers. Um, yeah, Seabank Bistro is number one. He's currently available around 22 to 1, I think. This guy came to hand early in his career. He ran in the champion bumper last year and finished fourth. Now, I know Ross has already touched on in this pod that the champion bumper form hasn't really worked out. But going into the champion bumper, there were horses in there that people were touting as the next coming. We had Fasal Vega. We had American Mike. We had uh, James's Gate, who I still think is a very good horse. And we have, just haven't seen this year due to injury. Um, Seabank Bistro actually finished fourth behind those three runners. This year, he's been backed into short price favoritism on all three starts. He just seems to me like a real work in progress, a horse that's not the end product by any means. He's just a big type who doesn't really get over his hurdles very fluently. But last time out, I thought it was a massive improvement on his previous efforts. And when he finished second to, to Corbett's Cross two starts back, the race I just touched on there, he was too far back in the field. Corbett's Cross was up front. He made a real good move uh, coming around the final bend into the home straight and just could never get on terms with the, the eventual leader. The step up to three miles just screams in the favor of Seabank Bistro. And I think 22 to one is a massive price. Now, I know price-wise it's put him up and he was 33 to one, which is unfortunate. Um, but 22 to one is still very fair. And the other Willie Mullins trainee that I, I like in this race, now I'm not 100% sure he's going to run here, but if he does, is Shan Bally Kid. He's a son of presenting, the brilliant sire of Denman, War of Attrition, etc. I could carry on. Um, out of a Kalanisi mare who adds speed to his pedigree, so far, he's looked like he's just stamina. <laughs> there is no speed in Shambali Kid. Um, he's only run twice over hurdles, so he's not as forward as Seabank Bistro. But last time out, he looked extremely uh, inexperienced, yet still managed to come out on top. He's been heavily punted um, in both of his races as well, much like Seabank Bistro. And last time out, he beat a horse called Monty Star. Now, that horse has subsequently come out and won a grade three at Navan, so the form is stacking up. I do have a concern about his jumping. Uh, it's probably worse than Marine Nationale. It's probably worse than Goodland and all the horses, Gaelic Warrior, uh, who have got jumping issues in the previous races we've touched on. But he's 20 to 1 as well. So I'll take Shambali Kid and Seabank Bistro in another year where I think Willie Mullins is going to come out on top with one of his outsiders. Yeah, I think I remember very well from the nice guy, a horse I also um, managed to back as well, was that the comments about him beforehand was that he just surprised him. He didn't know, you know, what he was doing on the on the gallops wasn't really matching up with what he was doing on track. He was just really taking him by surprise. And he sort of reminded me in his comparison to Monkfish, who obviously won this race as well, you know, narrow type, gangly type, one that's definitely going to develop into a, a, a better chaser. And, you know, you look at the pedigrees of these, 
um, Sivak Bistro, who I think has got, you know, plenty of big chases in his family um, as the Champagne kid. And that's, you know, what they'll be. They are work in progress. They're frames themselves. So it's just whether that they've got mentally the ability to take on this challenge early on. Um, so that's what I love about this race. I think it makes it interesting. Also, by the Friday, last couple of years, I know we had that downpour of rain on the Wednesday and uh, of last year, and it made sure that the, the ground was lovely. It was proper, nice sort of softish ground at least. I don't know what we're going to get this year. I don't know whether it's going to be definitely on the on the good on the on the better side, which won't make it into such a slog, such a test, which it has been um, as well. So I like the fact that Chambali Kid, as you say, has got a bit of speed in his pedigree as well. So, yeah, it's it's intriguing. Good prices there. Um, Seabrack Mr. 22 to 1, Chambali Kid, 18 to 1. Ross, is this a race that um, really, really gets you excited, really, uh, really gets the heart pounding where, the way that you work it out? Uh, no, not not <laughs> not massively at this stage. Um, I, I think you're absolutely right. It does tend to throw up some really decent performers. Um, I think it's a real muddle at the moment as to who's going to go, who's going to go where. Um, but there's a horse in here that I just think has been massively overlooked in the market, and that's Kim Bailey's Chianto Classico, uh, unbeaten in three hurdle starts. Started off over two mile three at Chepstow. Um, outpaced all the way up the home straight and slogged it out to, to beat a uh, good horse, Henri II of Paul Nichols. Then stepped up a, exactly a furlong at Market Raisin and won by eight and a half lengths. Uh, and then stepped up another furlong again at Wincanton, uh, two mile, five and a half furlongs, bolted up by 24 lengths, beating Stoner's Choice, who's a 130 horse, Sasaiko, who's a 133 horse. Now Sasaiko is, as his name suggests, you can't take his rating literally, but they're both smart horses and he absolutely demolished them in very easy fashion missed the last um could have been any distance you like um he's only going to improve for going up further in trip i think he's had a lovely prep for this three hurdle races nice and early been freshened up now it's not run since the beginning of january whether a run again i think is is unlikely um i really like kim bailey as a trainer he buys a really nice type of horse um this is definitely a, a three-mile chaser in the making. I think he's 40, 50 to one. You can name your price. Um, I think he's got a really nice profile for this. And I'm surprised he's not a bit shorter in the market. But I think that's, again, coming down to, you know, it just being Irish winners. But we did have Kilbrick and Storm all, not all that long ago. So, um, yeah, I really like this horse. I think he's got a, a, a really nice profile for this. Yeah, I was lucky to be there actually when Canton when he won last time. Um, and what what actually for the race slightly fell apart a little bit, but I spoke to Kim Bailey afterwards and he was apoplectic that the the rules had changed that he couldn't get this horse into a um a one of the handicaps because he's uh he needs to run four times um over hurdles and he's only run three and I think rated with a rating of a hundred and thirty three whatever the UK handicapper um gives in out will be next week. But that I think. I think he was sort of tailor-made for a county hurdle or something like that in, in previous years. Um, so his hand is sort of forced a little bit. Um, but it would be great if he has decided the horse that clearly looks good enough to give it a go um, in, in this kind of company. And yeah, Kim Bailey might not be as as well known for this type of horse, but he definitely it, it, it forces his hand, as, you say, as I say. So let's see if he um, uh, he can make the most of it um, in uh, in a race, as we have touched on, where there's a lot of value in and around 
Um, so thanks for that, Ross. I have same again. I I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm massively keen. A bit like TC. I was trying to find the kind of under the radar Willie Mullins horse, a, a bit like the nice guy last year, and I just struggled a little bit, probably because they're just not big enough prices for me. Um, but I do like the case of Seabank Bistro. Um, mine I've gone for and actually links well with um, TC selection because we touched on it because um, was beaten by um, uh, Monty's. Um, Star was second to TC Selection last time, but then went on and won. I like this horse. I think that he is probably surprising Henry de Bromhead, hence why he was um, ridden by was Sean Flanagan last time when he beat his stable companion. Don't think there's anything wrong with that. He's clearly a horse that's improving, as I mentioned, um, race after race. And the fact that he's a half-brother to none other than Monolee, who was second in this race himself a few years ago in 2017, he's another model that will be, I'd imagine, a better chaser, as we've touched on, that ticks, that ticks the box. But the big thing for me is that he just improved with the step-up and trip. He went up to the three miles last time and he just saw it out really strongly. I think this horse is going to want even further in, in the future. Um, so he's got that in his locker. And I think that he, uh, at a price around nine to one, possibly could even be bigger um, by the time we get to it. Because I, I don't, I think, I think some of these Willie Mullins horses will come for a bit of support. I like, uh, I like him um, based on what he did last time. And then the other selection is Gordon Elliott. And it's surprising we haven't had one Gordon Elliott selection throughout the course of these three races yet. Um, a trainer that, you know, only a few years ago had the likes of Sam Crow in these races. Favorite de Champedou could go to the Martin Pipe. We'll see what his mark is. Um, but he's around 12 to 1 for this race. Um, should he go there instead? Now, he beat, let's be clear about it, last time um, over the Christmas period, Limerick. Um, let's be clear about it has gone on and Frank that form well, really, really well. Yes, it was only a maiden last time, but he couldn't have been more impressive for Gavin Cromwell. Um, he showed himself to be a strong stay at the trip. It was very testing ground that day, and I would want it to be probably on the softer side but I just think that they've just kind of kept him a little bit quiet and they haven't run him again and they're going to keep him nice and fresh for this run because they, they raced him quite a lot early in the earlier part of last year, probably getting the ground. So Favre de Champadou at 12-1, to 1, as I said, could go to the Martin Pipe. But if not, I'd be happy to see him here. So that's the Albert Bartlett, Novice Hurdle. And uh, we've gone a good sprint throughout the course of all these three Novice Hurdle races. Of course, there's... So much more over um, the whole four days of the Cheltenham Festival. We do have special podcasts that TC and Ross and I have covered for the for plenty of the other divisions, the open divisions and the novice chases as well. But we will have a special podcast dedicated to the full four days, um, which we will be recording closer to the time. Hopefully we're going to get some plans, guys. There's still so much water to go under the bridge about what the targets will be, where horses will go. Um, and, you know, fingers crossed, it is an extremely important time for a lot of the trainers, um, owners, uh, et cetera, that all these horses um, stay fit and they stay healthy. So let's see what happens over the next while. Thank you, TC, for joining me. Thank you, Ross, for joining me. We, as always, have our special podcast, uh, have our regular podcast for all the weekend action. So make sure that you tune into them if this is your first time listening to us. But as ever, thank you. Uh, subscribe, like, and we will see you soon.